Welcome to Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarno, a weekly podcast from Relevant Church in Daytona Beach, Florida. We pray this message helps you connect to God as you find your place, reveal your purpose, and unlock your potential. Let's head live to Pastor Chris for today's powerful message. I don't know about you, but I've been blessed. Amen. You know, we just, we just, we're just keeping, just keeping going from level to level to level. And, you know, Brother John said something this morning. He said, your faith goes from, from place to place, from glory to glory. Go from another level to another level. That's what increase is. Go from one step higher and higher and higher. And I know tonight, God set us up to get blessed. You know, there's, I don't, I believe everything is divinely orchestrated by God. He does, he does things in timings and seasons and, and he knows the perfect timing of what we need to hear. So tonight, I just want you to just get ready, prepare your heart. You know, the Bible says that it's in your heart that you transform your life. It's expectation. You know, so the Bible says he that has ears to hear, let him hear. We got eyes that see, we got ears that hear. And we got a heart that understands. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I don't want to take up more time. I, I asked Dr. Rob so to be so gracious and to come up here and introduce Brother John because um, they got a lot of years of history. Amen. And I, I, I just like I just like hearing about it. Amen. I don't know about you. And you know, you know, you know, Dr. Rob is such a blessing to this house. He's blessed our life, changed our life. I told you. I told you. I told, I, I'll say it one more time. You got to find people that care about your soul. You know, the Bible says that anybody will come preach to you, but who's going to take care of your soul? You know, and me, me and PL been saying that for years. I said, that it's not about what you do in a relationship, it's who you are. And he's been a tremendous blessing to our life. So you could do this for me. Can you please stand on your feet? I appreciate that. Thank you. And just lift your hands to heaven and just thank God. You're going to get ready to receive something tonight that's going to change your life forever. You're going to, you're expecting something that's going to change your life forever. And your, your, your faith is going to a whole new level of what you can believe and what you can see. I believe it and we expect it. And we thank you, Father. And Father, thank you for what we're going to hear tonight that's going to transform our life forever. Amen. Dr. Rob Thompson. Praise the Lord. Good morning. Good morning. Good evening, everybody. How are you? Let's just raise our hands before God. Say, Father, thank you so much for the word of God. I am hungry and I am grateful. Tonight is my night. Every person in life has a moment. Tonight is my moment. From this moment forward, my life will be different. My life will be changed. I will be transformed because my mind is being renewed. So thank you, Father, for giving seed to the sower. And so I'm grateful, very grateful that you have given me seed to create the future that you desire for me, for mine, and for the rest of this earth. In the name of Jesus, amen. Give Jesus a hand clap, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. 
John, Marissa, hi, you guys. Hi, how are you? Good to see you. Um, there's something about God's Word that people don't talk about very often, and that is the generational blessing that comes from God. You always see him speaking in triplets. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Peter, James, and John, you're finding, you find this throughout the Word of God, is that he talks generationally. And because of the generational blessing that needs to be on your family, this is where it starts. You know, one of the things I always wanted for my kids is this. I never wanted them to ever think that I didn't have what they asked for. You know, somebody said, but what about, what about spoiling your kids? You can spoil your kids. Oh, honey, you cannot spoil your kids. They're already spoiled. They belong to you, don't they? They're already spoiled. Why is it that you wouldn't be able to give them? If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will, will the Father give the Holy Ghost? I mean, if God would give you Jesus, why wouldn't he give you a new house? If God would give you Jesus, why wouldn't he give you a new car? If God gave you Jesus, why wouldn't he give you a new nose? If that's what you need. I guess I was looking at a big nose and thought, well, hey, maybe Jesus wants him to have a new nose. I don't know. But one of the, one of the things that I want to tell you about this man, of the, of the almost 30 or 32 years that I've known him in my life, I met him when I was minus 17. So, hey, I mean, you right now, I mean, in, in America, you can be whatever you want. So I was minus 17 when I, when I met Brother John. Get your, get your, you, need to get your, you need to get your political correctness correct. You know, if your political correctness is out of whack, I mean, you're in trouble. But one of the things that, that caused me to love this man And I'm, I'm unique in this way. I look at different things with people. I don't look at what people look at. I look at, and I found that to be true about the scriptures as well. And you can think this, you know, you can look at this in your life. Don't look at what the Bible says. Look at what it doesn't say. If you start looking at what the Bible doesn't say, you'll have more revelation than what you would get from looking at what the Bible does say. You know, he said this, but, you know, he didn't say that. He said, don't do this, but he didn't say I couldn't do that, you know. And one of the things that impressed me so much about you, Brother John, and, and, I, and I have only mentioned this to you three or four times throughout these 25 or 30 years. The time that the man that you had working for you got himself in some trouble. You remember that fellow? Yeah. Name starts with H and it ends with a D. And that's it. That's all I'm doing. And you know, you know who it is? Okay, so, but this gentleman, he got himself in some, some trouble. I was at this particular time, I was on John Avanzini's board 
because the ministry was much larger before he started turning it down. And so I was on the board, and there, there was, oh, I don't know, what was there? Eight guys, ten guys in the room on the board at that particular time. And this, this article or this knowledge came before everyone that was on the board. Brother John never let that even get down to when the board asked the board what the what he felt or what they felt that he should do. I saw I saw this man cut over one million dollars of his ministry, the arm of his ministry. I saw him cut it off right in front of me. A million dollars of income just just cut it right off. He said, "We'll have no sin in our camp." We'll have none. We don't do that stuff here. I said, well, don't you want to, don't, don't, don't you, would, wouldn't you like to have somebody else like take this part? He said, no. He said, I'm giving it away. I don't care. I don't care what happens. I don't care what he does with it. But we don't do that here. I saw him take, a take just, hey, how many of you could use an extra million dollars? I mean, just, just an extra million so, and I just heard men just right in front of me, man, he just went, wow, and cut that thing right off. I said, that I can be committed to. That I can follow. Because there wasn't any kind of, hey, tell me, tell me what happened. Just, are you okay? You know, I, I know it must have been really hard for you. No, no, there wasn't any of that. All he said was, okay, you're done. Right there. That day it was over. And I committed myself to that. I've watched this man give. I've watched him love. I've watched him go beyond caring for others. I watched him take care of widows of men that taught him the word of God for 40 years previously. Until, he, until when that man died, he began to take care of a number of widows. And he took care of them until they passed away. And that you can be committed to. The thing for me, friends, is this, and it's simple, is that with all honesty, we have to get out of this pop culture Christianity. Because all of the popularity and all the other stuff, that doesn't make a Christian, believe me. You know, I just wanted to be a Christian. I didn't want to be popular. You, know, you have to do other things. You have to compromise so much when you're popular. You have, to get, you have to give up what you believe when you're popular. You have to start accepting everything that's coming down the, the cultural problem pike. You have to accept it all if you want to be popular. But the moment you don't care about popularity is the moment that God's hand can come on you and your family and your kids. You don't ever need to think about coming here to relevant and think that you have hypocrites as leaders. These people, Chris and Liz, lived in my home. They walked with me. And I'm here today because of how strongly that they cared for Linda and I, and we cared for them. And that's why I'm here.
And so as you hear the word of God tonight from this man who I've never seen one time, I've never seen this man ever do anything wrong in 30 years. And when people come in front of me, they always feel like they're being examined. You know, I mean, it's just like that. It, it happens all the time, but, but it's not anything that's really true. It's just like that. You kind of like, you got to make sure that, you know, your pants are on straight and all that other stuff. And, and, and tonight, I want you to know that this message, I know this message. I saw, I saw what this message did for me, for my wife. It caused me to be able to be willing to stand with him, no matter what pressure he ever faced. This is my friend. And this, he will be, he will be my friend until he chooses to leave. When are you going to go? Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't have that far to go, so we're going to stay friends. And so tonight, I, tonight I'm just so excited. I'm so excited for many of you, the ones that have had question marks in your mind, wondering whether some of this stuff is really real. There, you can know something's real by how much negativity comes about it. When you see all the negative stuff, then you know, okay, I'm, a, I'm going with that guy. I'll go with the negative guy. I'm not going to go around with this, but, but let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you that we can hear your voice and that we can do your will. Father, reveal yourself to us. There is nothing more precious, nothing more holy. And there is no greater truth than the message people are going to hear tonight. My Father, Open the eyes of your children tonight. Let them see something they've never seen before. And let them do something they've never done. Because they can never go where they want to go until they're willing to do something that they have never done. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand to your feet, please. Welcome with me, my friend, John Evanzini. John. Wow. Let me take a look at you. Tell that person near to you. Now, you know how to do it Texas style. You look real nice, okay? Tell that person near to you that Brother John thinks they look real nice. Now, there you go. That just feels good. You can be seated. You can be seated. You know, I pick up on something from what I pick up something from what Brother Rob was saying. Um, and I, I don't usually say this, but every bit of it's true. It can be verified. Um, mentorships and apprenticeships 
are tremendously important to the to the end product of a Christian life. And I, I thank God that you submitted to mentorship here. That's a wonderful thing because you pick things up from that. Now, my grandson, Jason, he's been apprenticed with me for 10 years. 10 years he's been with me. He preaches as good or better than I do. He has as big offerings, as big, biggest salvations, everything. He's, but he stays right by my side. And here the other day, something unique happened. Now, I'm not bragging, okay? I'm just going to tell you what happened. Uh, I was in Africa, Nigeria, and a man there gave me a million dollars. And Jason was in the room. And I, I, here I asked him that when it was done. I looked over and said, Jason, well, what do you think about that? He says, well, you know what? If he can do that, I'll be able to do it someday. <laughs> See, now, if he had not been in the shadow of a person that had been around some things, he said, boy, I can't wait till I get a million dollars. Well, that's not the issue. You see, that's not the issue. Now, you talked about that time that I passed up that million dollars. It was $250,000 a month for the whole year, so that's a little more than that, but, but, but you, you, you were right on on that thing. But what I'm trying to say to you is this. If you, you get in a church, God calls you to preach. If God calls you to preach, hang around. Get with the pastor. Get under the wing of somebody. If you, if no matter in the church, you should find somebody that's senior to you in the faith, and get near them, get around them. Don't just gravitate to the crowd that's your age. And it's not bad being with the crowd your age, but find somebody that's going somewhere and have some time with them. Ask them, can I sit by you? Can we talk a little bit? Because mentorship makes all the difference on whether you make the right decision. When the pressure's on. I'm so proud of Jason for that. He said, I, I was thinking, is he going to say, well, I wish somebody would do that for me? He didn't say that. He said, now I see that I could do that. I could do that. What a powerful thing. Well, we've had some time to think today. I've enjoyed myself here so much. I love you folks. I really do. There's a, there's, you know, there's a poem, Rudyard Kipling's poem, If. One of the lines in it that I'd never forget is if you can walk with kings and keep the common touch. And I feel that in this room. I feel that there's, there's no big shots. There's a lot of people that love the Lord Jesus and they love each other. It's a wonderful thing. And uh, whatever you see around you that you would feel maybe I'd like to have that, well, just start believing God for it and he'll get it into your life. Because you're around a very positive crowd of people. This is not going on out in the world. The, the, world is so divided now that I mean we're at the point of drawing guns at political events it's, I mean I've never seen I'm, I'm here since I'm uh, six and a half years old and I've never seen a time in America like this and I've been through some of the most brutal parts of America and uh, this meanness that's in the air don't get involved with this stay in a sweet sweet fellowship in God's house it's a wonderful thing. I, I thank God for all the years. I was about 20 when I got saved. And, well, really saved, I'm probably 21. I got, I got sort of saved. I'll tell you the story. You want to hear a funny story before I start preaching? Well, I, 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 I told you about Sister Pat. And so I married Sister Pat. But just before we're married, she said, you, I can't marry you if you're not saved. I said, well, I'll get saved. So I went forward and uh, First Baptist Church, uh, 
Old Ocean, Texas, knelt down there, got saved. So anyway, about two years later, she's mad at me because I won't go to church. We're married and I won't go to church. I don't want to go to church anymore. And she says, John, are you even saved? And I said, uh, honey, no, I'm not. I don't think I'm saved. She said, how could you do that? I was going to college. I was going to marry a preacher. And uh, now I'm here with you and you're lost. Said, how could you do that? I said, Well, baby, I'd have joined the Communist Party to get to marry you. <laughs> I said, Getting saved wasn't nothing. But within days, Lester Miller came to work for me on a, on a brick job and led me to Christ. And uh, it changed my life, changed my life completely. Here, let me say something quickly about traditions. You have to be careful with traditions. Because, see, I got saved in a non-charismatic operation. They actually were hostile to charismatic. So here I got in this. I was as hostile with them. My preaching, I preached that there was tongue-talking was a demon possession. Well, here's what I found. The reason that traditions are so hard to break is because the people that love you the most give them to you. See, when I went over to the charismatic side, it literally was a betrayal of my relationship with, with, with Lester. Now, we went and supported Lester after he got ill, and we supported uh, Carrie until she passed away. But uh, keep that in mind. Now, sometimes something will rub you a little bit. Be careful. Think back. Where did I pick this up? And it might have been a father, a grandfather, somebody that dropped something in your spirit that had nothing to do with what God is doing. So always be careful because... Sometimes an abrasion, abrasion comes, it's a tradition that you got somewhere, you picked it up somewhere besides a good logical place. Okay, tonight I want to talk to you about, I've entitled this message, The Precious. The Precious. And we're going to talk about, wait a minute, we're going to put glasses on first. Um, we're going to talk, uh, the issue that I want to get into with you is, how does God establish value? How does God establish value? When I come to establishing a value with God, he doesn't establish value. He can perceive value, but he can't establish value. Now, that sounds kind of strange. God can't do something. Well, see, God owns everything. How do you establish value if you own everything? It's just like if I gave you an assignment and I said, I want you to, I want you to sell a cow to God. Well, it, get him all cleaned up and everything. He's to, oh, by the way, listen, now, he's not real motivated because he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So, well, okay, but I try to so, say, well, and remember this, that cow you're trying to sell, it, that belongs to him too? Do you follow the issue with God on value? How do you establish value with God? What price do you put on the cow? It's his cow. So if you can grasp this next point I'm going to bring to you, it'll help you. It'll help you very much because there's something about uh, uh, prosperity. How many of you want to be prosperous? Beautiful. I like it. I want to be even more prosperous. But in Genesis 39, 1 and 2, Tells about Joseph. Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hand of the Ishmaelites, which brought him down to Egypt. And the Lord was with Joseph, 
and he was a prosperous man. Now, let me tell you about the slave market in Egypt. You can get into secular accounting and you'll find it out. But when a slave went on the block for, to be sold in Egypt during that time, they were taken completely naked. If he had a leather strap around his hand, they took it off. He had nothing, zero. And God moves among all these merchants that are there to buy slaves. He had that beautiful jewelry and, and fine clothes and chariots with, embossed with gold. And he walks through that crowd and he walks up to a naked man. And he says, this is a prosperous man right here. Now, what does that tell you? Prosperity has nothing to do with what you have, nothing to do with how you look. If God says it's in you, who's, and I, everybody there would have refuted that until a few years later, he was ruling Egypt. And he didn't have to be Pharaoh to do it. He was in the second chariot ruling that tremendous superpower. Are you picking that up? But you have to understand that inside of him, God said he was a prosperous man. And, I, you know, that's hit me sometimes when I had absolutely nothing. Well, I went broke a few times. You got to go out the bottom a few times to, before you can go out the top. You learn how to hold on to the sides. <laughs> There's a little humor in everything. <laughs> Very little in some things. God's thought process is totally difficult, different than man's thought process. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, it says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher, uh, my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts and your way, thoughts. Now that is discouraging unless you take 1 Corinthians 2 and 16, and I just take a little part of it. We have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Now, there was a long time in history that people had to live with that circumstance in Isaiah, but that circumstance doesn't, doesn't exist any longer. We now that are born again, we have the mind of Christ. Let me tell you what, are you, are you, are you bringing for full development of that mind? You know, a mind is an awful thing to waste. And you have access to the mind of Jesus Christ. And what can it do? You know, it, it goes into scripture and it says that Israel knew God's acts. And I can take you to most churches. If you've been there a while, you can tell all the acts. You know all about this. You know about the Jericho. You know about this. That, but it was Moses that knew the ways of God. See, if you know God's ways, you can hear something. You can know that's not right. I may not have the scripture for it, but I know that's not right. That's not God. Why? Because I have the mind the mind of Christ. Are you picking up? Yes. Now, think with me a little further. Mark, we get into Mark. God, God discerns value. Now watch that. He doesn't set value, but he discerns value. And when you get over in Mark 12, and all of us know this story, 41st verse, and Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how. Now notice that. How. He's not there to see how much. He's there to see how they do their giving. Now, what that means is when you hand the envelope to the Lord, he looks through the envelope into your heart. Amen. Doesn't look at what's on there. He looks right straight into your heart. You follow? 
So now he's there. Why? Well, he's there to find out how the people are giving. And then this little gal, the, 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 the widow lady, you're going to find out in a little while, she's there for another reason. She has something she wants. You know, most people don't teach that. She has something she wants, but go on through with it. Uh, it said how money, uh, how people cast money into the treasury, and many of the rich cast in much. And a certain poor widow threw in two mites with make a farthing. And uh, let me see the next part. And he called unto his disciples and said unto them, Verily, now what? When Jesus says verily, he's going to say something probably won't, people won't believe. Hard to believe. If he says verily, I'm telling you the truth. I know all this money is going in the treasury, but this little gal that has given almost nothing, she's going to end up being the one that gave the most. So he says, Verily, I'm about to tell you something that doesn't make sense. I say unto you that this poor widow has cast in more than all they which have cast into the treasury, for they of their abundance, watch that say that word abundance? It means surplus. They were given out of the surplus. And uh, it's totally different than when you give out of core money. Yeah. Out of core money. He says, and she of her want, now watch that, she wanted something. Now, if you start looking at commentators, they will tell you that that word means penury. Poverty, but that's not what that word means. That's a word that Christians have made that word mean. But you go to a strictly secular uh, accounting of what this word says, it's she wanted something. Now, what would a widow woman want? I was in uh, uh, Southern California in a Hispanic church uh, when I first started teaching this message, or dealing with this widow. And so I said, well, what does a widow want? And one gal jumped up and said, a husband. And another one jumped up and said, a rich husband. Man, I'm telling you right now, see, that's better than poverty, man. You get to, well, I won't. So, wait a minute. She jumped to her feet, that gal did. A husband. She didn't cast in all that she had, even all her living. Now, you come to see what I'm saying? Jesus is not looking at how much you give. He's wanting to know how you gave it. What did it mean to you? Before it's going to mean anything to him, it's going to have to mean something to you. Got to catch that, get that together. Now, great desire, that word want, the definition of it is greatly desired to have something. Great desire. Um, the value Jesus places on any offering is calculated different than we calculate. For God looks into your heart to see what you place a value on. What do you place the value on that offering? I mean, you, you, you make out the envelope and you stop and look at it and say, what does this mean to me? Now, hear this too with me. You can't always, every time you give, give more than you ever gave. It's just I can't do that. But what you have to watch, and people that do electronic giving, you have to watch this, because all of a sudden you set the number, and the number just keeps clicking, and it's good. It's good for the church. It steadies out income. It doesn't fluctuate up and down as much with uh, electronic giving. But you have to see to it that whatever it is that you're giving, that periodically you just look at it. It doesn't have to be raised, but you have to make sure that something hadn't happened, that it's become insignificant to you, or that you're just doing it by rote. That's one of the reasons I mentioned this morning. Just take that phone, lift it up, tap that, and you're, 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 you're in the act again. You're in the act again. See. But anyway, moving along now. Here's something I found. When the precious moves, the hand of God moves. 
And you're going to find that throughout the entire Bible. The widow gave something. She, 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 the widow gave something that she had so she could have something that she wanted. And if you ever get in your mind that God's not moved by your giving in relation to putting things back in your hands, you're mistaken because the Bible is from cover to cover is full of that exact thing. So anyway, uh, let's go a little bit further now. When the precious moves, I said the hand of God moves. Here's a place you can see it. Hannah. When Hannah gave her little guy, promised to give her a little guy, in 1 Samuel 1, uh, 9 to 11. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon the seat of the post of the temple. 10th verse. And she had bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow. Now see, this is something that sometimes we have to do. I've had many a time in my life, look back at my life, I've had to make a promise to get my heart satisfied that I was doing what I would think God would think was good. Now you can't do that every time, but there are times that you just have to reach out and stretch your giving, stretch your giving. You know, um, if you go out of your comfort zone, you can't stay out too long. You, you quit coming to church if you get out of your comfort zone and giving every day. But periodically, you need to be out of your comfort zone with your giving. You need to move in a posture to where you've, where you've uh, reached in a, new, in a new outreach to God. So anyway, Hannah has this, uh, she says, she vowed a vow, O Lord, if thou shalt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but give unto thine handmaid a man-child. She didn't say just give me a child. She said, I want a man-child. Be specific whenever you're talking to God about what you want. Say, God, I want a car. Don't tell him. Tell him what kind of car you want. You know, do you want two doors, four doors? Uh, I got a four-door car now with four seats. I didn't know they made them, but I got one. But anyway, be specific whenever you say, Lord, this is what this is what I, I this is what I desire, God. This is what I'd like to have. And then know this too. Sometimes just God steps you up to what you're going towards. You go. You don't move right into big man. I get tired of people. I come in their house and broke down the house, everything. And then there's a picture of a mansion on the refrigerator. Or there's a picture of a, of a Rolls Royce. Honey, you're not ready for a mansion. You're not ready for a Rolls Royce. You've got to build up to it. You can't have a Rolls Royce with hamburger boxes up to your, up to your ankles in the back seat. I mean, I believe they'll really come and take it away from you. I've been in some Rolls Royces, never been in one that had hamburger boxes in the back. But I've been in plenty of Chevrolets and Fords with hamburger boxes in the back. You got to go into training. Then, then you got this beautiful house you want. God moves you up to that. And you're moving towards it because, you know, when you get in a mansion, there's mansions and pictures up. You got any idea how much curtains cost for those places? They're not even curtains, they're drapes. No, they're not even curtains, they're drapes in those places. I, I got that big. I got a big mansion one time in, in uh, uh, Missouri, uh, Joplin, Missouri, and uh, man, it belonged to the furniture store guy that owned the furniture store, and he had put all. And man, these drapes were. And I thought, well, what, 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 what these cost, sir? Man, when he told me what just one window set costs, I've driven cars that cost less than that. I mean, you've got to work up to these nicer things. Don't get upset because it doesn't happen the first time. But God put you on the track towards something. And you go from glory unto glory unto glory. Amen. 
Well, anyway, she has, she gives a child, and uh, they get home, ninth, ninth verse, 19th verse, and they rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house in Ramah, and Elkahan knew, and Elkahan knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Her womb was open. She had a child. Are, are you getting that? All right, now. Watch what happens. In the 24th verse, it says, 1 Samuel 1, 24, and when she had weaned him, now she had him for a year. She had him for a year. When she weaned him, uh, she took with him, took, took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh and the child was given now to the Lord. There's something wrong with that. Doesn't your spirit tell you there's something wrong with that? Luke 6, 38 says, given it'll be given unto you. Not to wean, but to have. So watch what happens. The end of the story is not yet. But when you get to Isaiah 2 and 21, and the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters, and the child Samuel grew up before the Lord. Are you catching that? She gave, and if you give, it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You're going to get more, and you're going to get better back than what you gave. Now, that's not a sales pitch. That's right out of your Bible. These, these, these are the same slides you always have here. And God is just in the business of giving us back when we give to him 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Now, let me slow down a minute with you. Now, 100-fold. A lot of people have a lot of questions about 100-fold. Is it double? Is it 100 times? Well, see, if it was 100 times, you wouldn't have any 100-fold cows. Well, it takes a year for a cow to have a calf. It takes 100 years to have 100 calves. And then you take a grain of corn, it's not bigger than your finger. And you plant it, and if you got a hundred, if you got a hundred kernels back on the ear, that'd be a sorry ear of corn. But it can be sixteen to eighteen hundred kernels will be back on a good ear of corn. And then there's two ears on the average corn bush or tree, whatever it is. But you follow what I'm saying? Now, what does hundredfold mean? It means optimum yield. Optimum yield. Now, there's a fellow out in Lubbock, Texas. His name's Dale Kitchens. Dale's got the biggest cotton farm in the world. I mean, bar none. He's got five of these half-million-dollar tractors that run around that all run by the satellite. He just has somebody in there in case there's a problem that stops the thing. They'll plow circular fields, all kinds of things. Mammothly wealthy guy. And so one year, I've keep kept up with Dale over the years, past more than now. But I called him and I said, how's the crop? He said, oh, it went bad, went bad, not good, not good. I said, what happened? He said, well, I had blight here. He said, I had this over here, had hail in another place. I said, well, did you, did you have anything? He said, oh, yeah, yeah, I went to the, he said, I was the only one that had anything, went to the, went to the, the, the gin. He said, I, I, I broke even. I said, well, you know, that's hundredfold. He said, hundredfold? I said, well, if everybody did bad and lost all of their investment, and you've got at least your investment back. I mean, that's the optimum yield. You get that? Yeah. Well, the next year, I talked to him. He said, you know, I made a lot of money on that crop I didn't realize because next year I was the only one that had seed. Everybody, ever, ever farmer bought seed for me. You see, you see what I'm saying? Don't, 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 don't count all the chickens till they, don't count the chickens till they all hatch because 
God says, I'll give it back to you 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. And he'll give it to you optimum, optimum. Now, if it's bad times, it may not be as much as you thought. But you got to compare it with what others, what's happening in others. And you'll see that God always takes care of his children. Dale thought he had just broke even. But in fact, he made good money on that crop. Why? Because it was a second act to that harvest that he had. Are you picking up any of that? Yeah. And remember this, when the hand of God moves, when the, when the precious moves, the hand of God moves. Every time, you see, you see Hannah? Hannah wants a baby. She finally says, Lord, I'll give you a baby. Bang, God's hand moves. Before they get hardly home, she's with child. Now, God, the God's not slow. Be careful with slow God, slow God business. Like, well, in nine months, this is going to, uh, someone will knock on your door and try to buy your house. Well, preachers get up and preach and they don't have results. They'll start putting time on it. They'll say, well, you're going you're gonna to have a harvest. There's big, big money coming to you. It'll be within 60 days. Well, God don't need 60 days. I mean, every miracle that I find in the Bible happened just like that. Just like that. Boom, 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 boom. And now, well, it'll be six months. Well, this, you know, this kind coming out of prayer and fasting. So it could be eight months. It could be eight months. No, it could be in the morning. It could be. Amen. By the way, did anybody get a blessing, some kind of financial blessing today? Just lift your hand. Let me see. You got one? Okay. You got one? All right. See, we, what did I say this morning? We sowed, and I said, rapid, Lord. We want a rapid return. And here's some here. And that sister ran out the door to get her checkbook. She was, she was motivated. Amen. And now she's had already a financial breakthrough. And there's one waiting for you. Just, just, just sit your fate out there. Because here's something. Pastor said it this morning. Very few pastors know this. But expectation is necessary for harvest. Putting seed in the ground, praying, getting excited at the meeting, that's not an answer. You've got to go on now and start expecting it. Start looking for it. Start making more trips to the mailbox. Get, make up your mind that you're, it's going to happen and just start looking for it. Are you learning anything? Yes. Well, let's see. Where we go from here? You know, a woman moves God's hand into an empty meal barrel. And this is a unique piece of scripture because in 1 Kings 17, 8 through 16, and the word of the Lord came unto him saying to, uh, to the prophet, come, uh, rise and get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Jidon. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. God is sending him a new benefactor, but he's not sending him a fat cat. He's going out here to a widow, and, but God has already talked to her, already talked to her. So the 10th verse, so he rose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gates of the city, behold, the widow woman, the widow woman, the right one, was there gathering sticks. And he called her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going, now catch this. The most valuable thing in a famine is water. I mean, there's nothing more valuable. And she's got, she never even hesitated, just went to get it. But see, water is only valuable. God's got water. But in a little while, something shows up that's precious. And when the pressure shows up, God's hand bursts into that barrel of meal. Watch with me here. It says, fetch me a little water in the vessel. And she said, was, as she was going to fetch it, he called her and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. And she said, 
as the Lord thy God liveth. Now, whenever you start talking about thy God instead of my God, I mean, you've been disappointed. You've got a God that you've been disappointed in. I said, have not a cake, but a handful of meal in the barrel and a little oil in the cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go and dress it for my son and I that we may eat it and die. Whoa. There's nothing more precious than a dying person's last meal. I mean, you go into the prison house. I mean, he might be a, he might be a lecher, but he gets a last meal. It's a sacred thing all over the world, a last meal for a dying man. So now this is precious. And he gets that woman to make first a cake for him. He didn't say, just get me a little piece of it. He said, make me one first. Watch this thing. And Elijah said to her, fear not. And please know this. You cannot walk in faith and fear at the same time. The same mechanism that faith operates through, that that same mechanism that fear is operating through. So you can't have them both going at once. And Elijah said, fear not. Go and do as thou hast said. Go right ahead with your plans. This thing is not going off the rails. Go right ahead. Make me there of a little cake first and bring it unto me and after make of thee and for thy sons. Are you picking that up? I mean, this thing now is in a position where something can be done. The precious is moving. And when the precious moves, sure as the world, the hand of God will move. For thus saith the Lord, host of Israel, the Lord of Israel, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, Neither shall the cruise of all fail till the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and her and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of all fail according to the word of the Lord. Hundreds of meals came out of that barrel. Hundreds of meals came out of that barrel. As the man of God, and you know the man of God in those days, they had an entourage that traveled with them. The, I mean, the entourage had to eat. That all the family had to eat, everybody in their household, again and again and again and again. But now, notice this. The water was more valuable than that ratty little cookie. Now, you can imagine in a house with death at the door, people's fingernails are dirty. I mean, it was a ratty little cake that she paddled together. But it was precious. And if it's precious, God's hand moves. Never seen it fail. Never seen it fail. When you come to the precious... A cake makes a dwindling barrel of meal rise up and have plenty in it. And when the precious moves, tell me, the hand of God moves. Let's say it again. When the precious moves, look out, devil. You know, King Solomon moved the hand of God with the precious. Now, you have to be careful with King Solomon because you get to thinking, well, whatever king's going to give, he's got lots of money. King's give. Watch, the, watch the circumstances. Seven long years of construction. He was in a gargantuan construction program. He was, he was in the process of building the temple, a palace, and a wall around most of the city of Jerusalem. Most intensive uh, construction that ever took place in that place. And he's now, and his tight finances were tight. Read the 29th chapter of First Chronicles and you'll find that he ran out of money. And his daddy had to come and take up another offering to, 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 to put money in his hand for the temple. And he may have done that two or three times. You follow where we're at with this thing here? I mean, Solomon is in tight straits. Now, this is the time that he does his big giving. I'm telling you, you let things get a little tight around me, and that's the first thing I'm looking for, something to give. I mean, literally, something to give. And uh, 
you got to keep that in your mind because your way out as a believer of any financial situation and out of just about any kind of a normal situation in Denver, and I, I can tell this now, that was many years ago, I went to Denver and I had the fastest growing church in America in Denver. We went five and a half years. We went from nine people in the basement to 2,600 people on Sundays. It was explosive. It went bankrupt. I couldn't pay the electric bill, couldn't pay nothing. I raised up Denver's biggest nursery, 2,600 babies. Nobody knew how to tie it. Nobody gave. But it's a record. Never been set. Never been broken since. Biggest nursery ever in Denver. And I and I and I got into business. I got into business with with two fellas, Mr. Fox and Mr. Mr. Skinner. I'm telling you, you got to watch names. Don't get uh, just everybody's name. Somebody come up and tell you what's your name. Dumb, John Dumb. Don't attach to no John Dunn. Serious now. You, why does a person have a name like Jimmy Horror? Jimmy, what's happened to you, son? But anyway, Skinner and Fox. One skint me, the other one foxed me. But anyway, we're, here, here I am now. Went, went, almost. Well, I went into the jail. I heard the only time I ever heard Heard the door slam behind me. It was a horrible thing. I don't know if you've ever had that door slam behind you, but you don't forget that sound. No, no, you don't forget that sound. But anyway, in that, I came to the point that I had nothing. Every penny was spent. My cars were gone. Everything my dad had to finally send for me to uh, to get an airplane ticket out of there for my family and a moving van to get us out back to Florida where over in St. Petersburg. I mean, it was the end of the road. But two and a half years I was here, then God started giving me opportunity to get back into the ministry. And as I got back into the ministry, we lived very poor, very poor, very poor. Went into Baptist situation, very poor. I literally, secondhand clothes, I'd be at the Goodwill. Uh, serious. And my wife could take a shirt, she'd take the cuffs off of one and the collar off the other and make me a good night then I got filled with the Holy Ghost. Step one out of my problems. Just, just getting just getting the police off my back, that wasn't the end of my problems. Just, just getting uh, back where I had my bills paid, that didn't get rid of my problems. See, if you've got bills to pay, that means that you're not making it the way God wants you to make it. You're not making it the way God wants you to make it. God wants you to have exceeding, abundantly, above all, you can ask or think. Now, that's a, you would think that's a clever saying, but it's right in the Bible. That's what God wants for you, is exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. Now, I could ask big, but I actually would be embarrassed to ask for some, to think some, ask some things, but I could think, oh my, if I could just had, if I had that person's car. You know, that kind of stuff goes through your mind. It does through mine, it did through mine. But I found out through that, I started in, the, in Abba, Nigeria. I wasn't going to tell this, but I'll tell it now. You got, you got time? All the time you want. Okay, we go. Uh, in Abba, Nigeria, I was there. And this is a whole other message, but I'll do it just a minute. I'll go quick. When more, Dr. Morris Cirillo invited me, David Cirillo, his son, was a member of my church. 
So I met Dr. Cirillo. And I said, Dr. Cirillo, I'd like to go with you to the foreign field and teach. And he looked at me and he said, it was in a long reception line. He said, son, if you, can't, if you don't have a breakthrough ministry, you can't go with me. I said, what's a breakthrough ministry? He said, I've got people in this line. See Dr. Trulene. So I walked over to Dr. Trulene. I said, what's a breakthrough ministry? He said, well, that's if in the foreign countries that we're in, in the very deep parts of those countries. If you don't produce what you preach, the witch doctors will take over the meeting. I thought, well, you guys, I... That's pretty proud of yourselves. I can preach. I preach circles around a whole bunch of them. And so anyway, uh, one day the phone rings and he says, Daddy wants you to meet him in Abba, Nigeria. So I get to Abba and the doors there to the church. Where I was late. I had to get my visa in, uh, in Italy. Back then you couldn't go to Nigeria unless there was a Christian person in charge of the visas. And the one that was Christian was over in uh, Italy. So I got the papers. I got there a day late. And I walked in the door. And when I walked in that door, I opened it and boom, I was hit. I shut the door and I thought, what in the world? I said, I thought it was hot out here. It's hot in there. And I'm telling you, when I moved inside the door, I was seeing the power of God moving. Never had seen it in my life. But I mean, it was the power of God. Blood tide. And so, anyway, got time for my turn to preach. Two preachers, then Dr. Cirillo called me up to preach. My, my son's pastor. And I got up and I had information. I always have information. I was frailing my hands and I was modulating my voice, but it was deader than a hammer. I mean, the Holy Ghost just left. But long story short, in that thing of being every night for about three nights up, I didn't go to sleep, prayed all night. The last night I was praying, God came into my room. And what you're hearing right now is stuff, 52 books I've written on this subject. When I started, there wasn't one or two. It was all the books that were around. But if you follow what I'm saying to you, something happened when I, God told me, he said, John, I don't want my children poor. These are not the way the scriptures are said. These things that they teach are not so, uh, they're teaching it totally backwards. And, it just, and I can't tell you, was it voice? Was he there? I mean, but I might have been unconscious on the floor. When I came out of that, I had a boldness on me. And I got up and I preached in that meeting and I said, man, I mean, the Lord was moving. The place was shaking. Had a balcony in it, about 26, 2700 people in the building. And I got, to, I got to the offering, and man, I'm, uh, they had these little bowls. Am I taking too long? They had these little bowls, and they went about four people, and the bowls were full. So a young man jumped up, and he said, and this is totally British. He said, I have a solution. Americans don't have solutions, say. But that's a big word, solution. And so anyway, he ran out, and he ran back in, two pillowcases. So they started down the aisle with the pillowcases. But now in Africa, you don't go down the aisle with pillowcases. You go like this. All through that building, all through. And finally, I went to pray. And as I said, every head bowed, and I, pray, I heard a voice say, Wait! Don't pray. I did not do what God said to do. 
come quick. He drops his money in the Wait. Don't pray. I didn't do what God said to do. Pretty soon in the balcony and I find that guy, just throw your money down. Don't try to come down. And... I swear to you. I told you about the guy in Cahoga Falls. A man stood up when I was telling this story and he said, I was there. And I thought, oh Lord, here we go. He said, I saw it. I believe it happened to me. I won't go into details, but just, just tell you what, what I'm telling you now and what the things that you learned primarily about biblical economics, if you hear anything today, it came out of that time that I was there with God. If it's outside of the traditional, it came from that place. And it's taken me from one end of the earth to the other. I, you know, I'm, I'm 80, 80, 87, I think, 87. And two days from now, Tuesday, I'll be in an airplane going to Singapore. Then I'll be in Jakarta. Then I'll be in Manila. Then back here again. And then the first of the year, I'm back in Africa. Uh, January, I'm back in Africa. I mean, I, how do you do that? Something, God put life in me. God put a message in me. And he's keeping me alive to keep teaching it. Show. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, King Solomon, he gets ready to give. And Solomon says in that, uh, we're in 1 Kings 3, 3 through 4. Uh, Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father David, except that Solomon too offered sacrifice and burnt incense at the local uh, places of worship. Uh, and that, that was in the New Living Translation. And local places, most important of these places to worship was Gibeon. The king went there to sacrifice 1,000 burnt offerings. That's a sizable offering, 1,000 burnt offerings. Now, pick this up. You were only required to bring one. One lamb to the house. What was that other 999? They were seed. He's planting seed. He had the most expensive, he had the most expensive project that ever took place in Jerusalem, and he needed money, and he sold, yes, he brought the offering that was required, but he bought 999 others with him. Now watch this, if you would. That night, 1 Kings 3, 5, the New Living Translation, that night. See what I'm telling you? It doesn't take a long time for God to move. Now, now, everything doesn't happen the first night, but that same night, the Lord appeared unto Solomon in a dream and said, what do you want? Ask and I will give it to you. Now, how many of you have, have you ever had God talk to you? What's he usually got? Got something for you to do for him. But this thing shook the whole kingdom because the God of heaven came to Solomon and said, what can I do for you? Are you picking this up? What can I do for you? Now, I've done some big giving in my life, but I've never had God stop and say, what can I do for you? But that's the God I serve. Now, I wonder if that man that gave me the million dollars in Africa, uh, December of last year, I wonder if that man had God visit him that night and say, what can I do for you? And now, maybe it was some woman that had two mites. And God would show up and say, what can I do? Remember, we're not talking about big money. We're talking about what's important to you. See? That's a magnificent book. I love this book. Well, when the precious moves, 
Okay? Let's try again in a while. We still, we'll do it again. Yes, sir. You know, the precious breaks protocol. Now, many of you are caught in protocol, and you don't realize it. I'll, you'll see it in a minute. But Luke 7, 2 through 9 tells, And a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they were come to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying, Now listen, what is all this, all these people, attention, yes, sir, let's get you to Jesus. What's going on here? This guy had built them a synagogue. Extremely significant gift. So they're saying, look, Lord, hey, this is the guy. No, 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 he's not like Ray. He built us a synagogue. Uh, and that he's worthy, whom shall you should do this for. For he loved our nation and built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them. Jesus was going to his house. But the protocol of the day was that Jews didn't go in Gentiles' houses. But this thing broke protocol. And Jesus is coming to his house. And you know the story, all of a sudden, the, they come back with, they say, he's already healed, your servant's healed. No sense bothering the master. Here's what I'm, here's what I'm, I, here's what I'm trying to get into you from this thing that I'm saying right now to you. If, if, you can, if you can just come to that point to where you feel great about what you give to God, you're going to see God's hand just stir and move in your life, just stir and move in your life. And you say, well, Brother John, I can't afford it. Honey, this is hard to hear. But if you're having trouble doing what God tells you to do, there's something wrong with your circumstance. Your circumstances need to be changed. I mean, when you get down to the, I came to the point, but, well, we're going to give. Pat, Pat and I are going to give. You coming for the car? Come and get it. I mean, right down the road, they said, no credit. You can get a car right down there. You follow what I'm saying? Don't let any one thing stand in the way of doing what God says to do when you know it's your time. Now, if it's not your time, don't do it. If, it's not, if your spirit's not stirred up, don't do it. He'll talk to you another time. Doesn't always talk to everybody at once. You, you follow this? Yeah. But now think with me. Quotas. You're trying to get in college, there might be a quota that keeps you out. That's nothing more than a protocol. Jesus breaks them. Licensing. Well, I do all the work on my plumbing. I work on the plumbing all day. I know more about the plumbing than my boss does, but I don't have a license. You've got to have a breakthrough. You've got to have a license. You need to get optimize that income. Budget restrictions. Performance bond. I can do the work. I can do the contract. But I can't qualify for the, for the, for the uh, performance bond. Are you getting this? Yeah. You need a strategic recommendation. You can plant a seed to get a strategic recommendation. You can sow for anything you want. Anything you need. Anything you desire. Are you, are you learning anything? Well, the guy had given big and it broke protocol. And protocol is broken place after place that I go. People have me tell me later, said, you know, I now have a plumbing business. I'm having my own business now. I'm not working for this other guy. So God is ready to break whatever is standing in the way of you. You learn anything? Well, I find that when the precious moves... And a God moves. You know, the precious offering immortalized the woman. And I quickly go over it with you. I won't read all the scripture, but you remember the woman 
that came and uh, anointed Jesus' feet. And remember, that was a precious. They said, that's precious. It's more like 900-something of the other units are given. And she gave that thing. And I tell you right now, you can get the biggest check you want, and you can't get your name in the Bible. She got in there. She's in there tonight. Are you following what I'm saying? And, I, and I'm, I've sold some other stories, so I'm cutting a little short. Are you catching it? Yes. Well, here's one. The precious offering changed God's attitude towards mankind. Let me tell you, our God was a killer. I mean, he was a killer, out and out killer. He'd kill you. Well, the flood came and every living human being on earth was dead except eight. You're talking about a serial killer. Serious. God was a he was not to be fooled with. Uh, but then the precious moved. John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. God's not angry with mankind any longer. Not angry any longer. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. The 18th verse. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us. Oh, thank God I got reconciled. I wasn't fit company for, for, for children and ladies. My voice, I was a cursor. I made a, it was an art form with me. I don't curse anymore. What happened? There's a new man in here. There's two of us living in here now. There's two of us in here. We have a lot of controversy, but there's a new man in here. There's a new man. And whenever they, whenever they bury me in, you say, there's some, some pious saint will come along and say, well, we know Brother John's not in the cemetery. Yes, he is. And that old creature is in that box. I'm on my way to be with Jesus. Glory to God. Are you getting this? God hath made God was in Christ reconciling, that's the 19th verse, us unto himself, not imputing our trespasses unto trespasses unto us, and hath committed unto us the work, the, the word of reconciliation. What changed? The precious moved. The precious moved. See, when you start deciding what's precious, there's a there's a there's a there's a number, the highest number that they say there is, is a Googleplex. The name of the Googleplex. I wouldn't have named it that, but they called it the Googleplex. <laughs> and it's said by uh, scientists that it'd take a lifetime, number of lifetimes, just to count to a Googleplex. It's an infinite, infinite number. And uh, but God doesn't say that what He is precious to Him is a Googleplex. It's the blood of Jesus that's precious to Him. See? And when you can come to the point that what you're talking about is precious. You've moved out of the realm of the common and the everyday. You've moved into something very special. And I tell you, when the precious moves, the hand of God moves. Here's something now that I bring you. And I'm, 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 I'm just almost done. Have you had a good time? Yes, sir. Did you learn anything? Yes, sir. Okay, now, there's no sense knowing something if you don't put it to work. 
Okay, I know how to win people to Christ, but a lot of people never win anybody to Christ. They know how, but they don't do it. You have to step out and do it. When you do it, I tell you what, it's contagious. You'll start doing it more when you see life's changed. But watch with me. I want to show you now. Out of all the harvests that I know anything about, there's only one guaranteed harvest. Only one guaranteed harvest. And that's over in Psalms 126, 5 and 6. It says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth. Now watch it. Bearing precious seed. Not seed. Precious seed. Because everybody that plants doesn't have a harvest. But these folks are having one. He that cometh forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless, without a doubt, shall come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And that's not a soul winning scripture. When I was a Baptist boy, they taught it a soul winning scripture. This is a scripture of putting seed in the ground and having a harvest come up. And if this is that unique harvest that's a guaranteed harvest. And it comes, that guaranteed harvest comes when you sow the precious. When you sow the precious. Now, let me show you something here quickly, and I just picked it up. I wrote it out and picked it on the back, pasted it on the back of here. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 3. Now, people ask me sometimes, Brother John, you teach seed time and harvest. Is, anywhere in the, is there anywhere in the, in the Bible that says that people prospered after they sowed seeds? Yeah, there is. Most people don't know that, but it's there. In 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 3, the, the Living Bible. It says, now, I want to tell you what God and his grace has done for the church in Macedonia. Do you have living Bible? Oh, man, beautiful. A lot of churches don't have that. You can say it, and, you have, and they don't have it. Uh, now, I want to tell you what God and his grace has done for the church in Macedonia. Though they've been going through much trouble and hard times, they have mixed their wonderful joy with their deep poverty. Now, see this? They are in poverty, and they mix that poverty with their giving, and look what happens. Wonderful joy and their deep poverty. And the result has been an overflow of giving to others. Finances came in their life. That's right in the book. It's not just something the preachers talk about. That's in there and it teaches there. But now we go a little further. Let's go a little further. Now this is probably one of the... I can't hardly teach this part here, but it's in the book. They gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And I can testify they did it because they wanted to and not because of nagging on my part. You see that? That's pretty That's pretty. Pretty powerful right there. They gave not only what they could afford. And I look back at the times that I really had to move God's hand. And it was always outside of the realm of what we considered. And now I can't do that because I can afford about anything. But there was a time that we were very quick to the point that we couldn't afford it. But we had to make changes. I remember when we got into world missions. That's one thing I brought with me from the Baptist into my church when I built church. And, uh, man, we'd give the missions, have two mission conferences a year. And we'd give away cars and we'd give all kinds of things away. But I found this that many times when it came down to the, to the time that I was down in the dealership getting ready to buy the car, they don't want to give a church uh, a car to give to a missionary unless they have cash or have a check. Sometimes I'd have to just get almost everything in the church stopped to buy that car. But then there came the day that we were totally debt-free. Didn't owe a penny. The church, the building was ours, the land was ours, everything was ours, the cars, the buses, everything belonged to us. Where did it come from, Brother John? Did, you, did they have a new kind of, some millionaires moved to your church? No. 
And let me tell you about millionaires. You got to be careful. I used to, whenever I was a Baptist, at the end of the year, I'd have a millionaire join. And I'd think, boy, I can't wait. You know, you had to make out the paperwork. And say, I can't wait to see what this old boy gave. And sure enough, a waitress and a bricklayer, bricklayer with a, they'd out give the millionaire. I tell you the millionaires that gives. The ones that you build in your own church. The ones that you bring up. When they walk in the door and they ain't got nothing. And then one day, they've got their house paid for, their car paid for, and their business starts prospering. I tell you, they get so excited about what you're doing as a pastor. And uh, I used to get excited about what they were doing. You know, I'd, I'd just hang around until they invited me to eat at the Sunday. You know. I'd get to go to a nice restaurant. The child of God, hear me. God's ready to change everything in your life. He's ready to bring it. Now, let me show you one other thing. We've got another minute. I'll show you. Now, you ever have things that just bug you when you hear them? Preacher saying them, you think, what in the, how can they do that? Like a preacher will stand up and say, someone here is going to give $5,000. Oh. Well, you know it's in the Bible? Look at the next verse. Go up there with those verses. Look at the next verse. They begged us to take the money so that they could share in the joy of helping the Christians in Jerusalem. Next verse. Best of all, they went beyond our highest hopes for their first action was to dedicate themselves to the Lord and to us for whatever direction God might give them through us. Now, I'm not going to tell anybody what they're going to give today. Don't get upset if pastor one morning stands up, God showed me. There's somebody here going to give $5,000. Somebody here going to give $10,000. Don't say it's not in the book. You saw it right there in the book. But a lot of people are saying things and doing things they don't even know it's in the book. They're just trying to raise money. What I want to do tonight, Brother Rob has laid out something special tonight. We're going to have the offering taken. I want you to have your precious together. We're going to see things change in many lives. Now, we had a good offering this morning. If you don't want to give anything, that's fine. But if you want what I'm dealing with and what I have, what comes into the house in my hands, we're going to lay hands on you and lay hands on your offering. Brother Rob's going to help me with that. And step by step, hear this. Every step of miracle, God will move you out of the circumstance you want out of. Or move you into the circumstance you want in. You follow what I'm saying? You know, one thing about having a little money is you get to see a new level. Oh, wait, they got those things? I didn't know they had that. You get a little more money, you whoa, look at that. So some of you, no doubt you got plenty of money, but you, but maybe there's another level that you need to go to. So here's the time now. We're going to get ready to take the offering. You make the offering right to the church. And uh, is there instructions come up on that? Yeah, we should get we get instructions on that. And prepare. And, and let me say this. Somebody here, you're in a strategic move business-wise. And it's time for not just an increase, but multiplication. Hear me. This step will be a step of multiplication. I like multiplication. I love it. But anyway, get your offering prepared if you plan to give. There, there's, there's offering, uh, there's offering uh, envelopes there. And what is it that you desire? We talked about what do you want. Now let's talk about what you desire. And you're going to write that on that envelope. We're going to pray. We're going to believe it with you. And uh, get your offering ready if you would.
just get your offering ready if you would. We'll move that in just a moment. We're going to move that. And uh, we'll, Brother Rob and I both will be laying hands on your offering. I, I hope you got what I tried to bring you tonight. Now, I used to preach this very vigorously, and everybody would be standing in their chairs. But uh, I'm, I'm more teach now. But I think you probably got more out of this than the crowd that used to get it when I'd preach it. Now, all hysteria and everybody running through the room. But solid line upon line, precept upon precept, the Bible, nothing but the Bible. Now, what is precious to you? What would make a precious offering? And if you put that together in your spirit and give it tonight, we speak that exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think comes into your life. Not because I'm magic, I am anointed. I'm not magic, I'm anointed. Oh, total difference. God is ready to move in your life. What is it that needs to be changed? What is the desire? Write it down. If you give by electronic, take an envelope anyway and write on it and just write electronic on it. If you want to put the amount that you're going to give, you can put it on it. But let's let's have the precious move tonight. Because yes, we can move it now. Uh, because when the precious moves, the hand of God moves. It just is simply that way. It's time and again. Well, you take when pastor preaches on salvation, the precious blood moves, the hand of God moves, people get saved. You talk about about filling with the Holy Ghost, that's precious. And here people get filled with the Holy Ghost. Now we've talked tonight about finances coming into your life or what's something you desire or something you want to break, some kind of restraint that's on you. Let's believe God tonight that there's a breakthrough because when the precious moves, the hand of God always moves. You guys blessed or what? They ain't never going to be the same again. You can't be. <laughs> Brother John, you messed these people all up, man. I'm, they're, they're, I'm looking at some of them. They, they, they're, they're, they're gone. All right. Well, praise the Lord. I could, You definitely got better looking some of you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Listen, I don't, I don't, there's, there's nothing else to say. Just take it and walk with it, and and we're not done. You know, can you believe? I mean, we, we're we're not done. Tomorrow night, Doctor Rob, Doctor Rob, he I, he's gonna pray for everybody. <laughs> I said, are you praying for? He's gonna pray for everybody before you leave these buildings. I'm telling you, Doctor Rob's gonna pray for you too. Not tonight, <laughs> but tomorrow night, seven o'clock, he's gonna be. This is impartation, you know. They used to say stuff sometimes we'd be in Bible school. Like, not everything's taught. You got to catch stuff. And sometimes you think like, okay, you're going to catch it. You know, Brother Hagen's there. You're like, you would catch. what am I going to catch? Like, you don't get. And then, and I never forget sitting there and something just changes in your life forever like tonight. You're changed forever because of impartation. So just come back tomorrow night and Tuesday night, seven o'clock, we're going to be here. We're going to get blessed and blessed and blessed even more. But thank God for Brother John and Dr. Rob. Come on, put your hands together. Come on, stand up on your feet. Give the Lord a hand clap. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm telling you what, you can't be the same. Amen. We're going to see you tomorrow night. You guys are dismissed. But, you know, 
Don't you thank these guys one more time? Come on, serious. Brother John's getting ready to leave, get on the plane, go to Singapore, all over the world. Dr. Rob's going to stay and finish this thing out with us, but we are blessed. Guys online, we're praying for you. We love you guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarnum. If you are interested in learning more about Relevant Church, you can visit us at relevantfl.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel to hear more messages like this one every single week. Thanks for listening.